Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the afternoon show here on Faith FM. Our show is Looking Up, and you are here with me, Peter Watts, and my co-host and good friend, Danny Malenkov. You know, we almost missed that intro, Danny. We almost did. I was, we were chatting away about all sorts of different stuff. Not relevant, not relevant. Not relevant at all. We want to welcome our listeners. We want them to know that they are important. And uh, here we are on the Faith FM show looking up today. We've got another interesting program to delve into, Danny, and it's good to uh, have you on board. How's how's your week been? It's been fantastic, Peter. I've really um, enjoyed the weather's been fantastic and I've had the opportunity to get out and about a little bit. Nothing um, exceptional apart from I um, had my birthday about two weeks ago, so I'm still enjoying that. You know, for the next month or so, I'll still continue to remind people it was my birthday, you know, back in <laughs> early July. So. Send your birthday cards too. <laughs> I think when we get to about November, I might, I might shelve it. But up until then, we'll, we'll continue to promote Actually, it. Actually, <laughs> you know, on that subject, this is year, well... Uh, it must be for you, right? The 25th year anniversary yeah, 25, of your wedding, right? Because as we've already discovered, bizarrely, that Danny and I got married to different two different <laughs> people. We hasten to add, but we got married on the same day at about the same time, um, and we've been married 25 years. So, so yeah, I keep reminding my wife. Here we are in what is it? Twenty uh, second today. Twenty second. Yep. Yeah, July. So here we are in, in July, and I keep saying so. Our anniversary, like yours, is on the 1st of January, so we had the anniversary day, but we were away on holiday at the time, so we had the anniversary holiday, and then I said, well, let's make it the anniversary month, and then after that I said, well, forget it, let's make it the anniversary year. So we're still in the anniversary year, and I see, <laughs> I still turn to my wife occasionally during the year and say, happy anniversary. And you also say to her, aren't you glad that you married me? And what does she say? <laughs> <laughs> I won't tell you what my wife says. It's not you're not allowed to well, say that on radio. You've heard, uh, you know, you've heard that. Uh, you know, there's a joke I think about uh, Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton, where uh, you know they pull up at a, a, a traffic light and across the road is a gas station and there's a guy sweeping the floor at the gas station, and Bill Clinton turns to Hillary and says. You know, dear, look at that guy. You know, you could have married him. And she said, yeah, and if I did, he'd be the president and you'd be sweeping. (laughs) So I thought that was interesting. But anyway, that's obviously an apocryphal story. We're going to go to some music in a moment. um, And uh, we're going to be listening to the Heritage Singers. And the song is At The Cross. So uh, thanks for listening in today. We hope that you're going to enjoy the show. We are going to have a very fascinating talk about prophecy once again. We're going to pick it up from where we left off in Daniel chapter 7 last week. But in the meantime, let's listen to At the Cross with the Heritage Singers.
Welcome back. That was At The Cross with the Heritage Singers. You are listening to Faith FM and The Afternoon Show with me, Peter Watts, and my co-host and good friend, Danny Milenkov. And uh, we have been running this series for quite a few weeks now, and we've been looking at the COVID-19 crisis, the COVID-19 pandemic, and how that relates to Bible prophecy. Does the Bible say anything about it? And what does it have to say about its relation to the Bible and so forth. So we've been talking about that, and we're going to get into that in a moment. But I just wanted to tell you that uh, if you would like to ask a question, make a comment about the topics that we have covered in this series so far or today's topic, we um, would love you to call in. The number is one 800 That's one 800 and I think that works out at 1-800-FAITH-FM for those who have the little letters on their, uh, you know, on the keypad or whatever it is. But um, so 1-800-324-843. And if you want to text, you can do so on 0491-064-669. Um, now, our previous messages, Danny, on looking up um, can be found at the Faith FM website, which is faithfm.com.au. That's faithfm.com.au. And if you go to the podcasts tab, look out there for looking up and you will find the podcasts of our previous programs if you want to catch up, especially as we are now, because we're diving into some quite deep Bible prophecy and uh, you may want to catch up and see where we have been thus far. Absolutely. And people may be wondering, you know, what on earth has... 
COVID-19 got to do with Bible prophecy. Yeah. And as we, as we spoke last week and the week before in particular, it has a lot to do with Bible prophecy because Bible prophecy unpacks what the final issues are going to be at the end of time. Right. And we can clearly see, Peter, that COVID-19 can easily be a springboard to those final events because of what's been taking place in the news lately, which we'll talk about in yeah. a little bit. Well, I see it as it, it's, it's exacerbating what was already um, a, a difficult bunch of challenges that the world is facing. So when I've spoken about these topics um, before, I will often say, you know, um, people were concerned about global poverty and famines and that kind of thing, and they were working on that, and then along came global terrorism, and then along came global warming. Um, and you've got these sort of... Uh, Various challenges that the then world the is global trying, economic the global economic meltdown, the global financial crisis, crisis back yeah. in two thousand and eight, two thousand nine, and then a, and then a whole host of natural disasters. That's and, right. Uh, certainly in this country, we've had the and droughts, fires, and floods, and and now we've got global a global pandemic, a global pandemic. And so, increasingly, what's interesting about that, from my perspective, is increasingly the problems the world faces are global in nature, yes. and therefore the solutions that are being looked for for those problems are also global. And uh, we've talked a little about that a little before. We were, we, I was looking at the uh, news today, Danny, and I noticed that uh, they're saying Victoria records 484 new cases of uh, coronavirus. And, you know, we wondered if it was starting to come down. We'd seen peaks of 300 cases a day. We'd been in the 200 cases a day for quite a few days, uh, and now 484. Yeah, I know it is incredible, and I was also reading uh, that uh, more than uh, more than two dozen nursing homes um, have either workers or, or or nursing home residents yeah. that have potentially been infected. So that's pretty serious because I've got I've got grandparents down there, Peter. Yeah, I've got grandparents. Yeah, well, um, my my wife's parents are, live down there. They, they're yeah. in they're in the lockdown zone. Yeah, me too. Uh, my grandparents are there. They're in a nursing home. They're in the western suburbs, which is one of the hotspots, one of those initial hotspots. So yeah. um, I was talking to my grandma. Yeah. Um, just this afternoon before coming to the show, and yeah, she's a little bit nervy, but it was really good. I was able to, I was able to encourage her. She's ninety two. Granddad's 91, and I was able to encourage her with the, you know, with the words, "Hey, if we don't see each other here, mm. and we don't know, you mm. know, we've got no idea. We don't know um, when we'll be able to travel exactly, to Victoria again." Exactly. So I said, "May we see each other in the better land, in the kingdom, in the kingdom." So, um, yeah, that was that was yeah. really wonderful to have that blessed hope. And um, look, I, I, one of the things like uh, with this whole thing of the coronavirus and many other challenges that we face is because, um, you know, I didn't grow up with this Christian perspective and uh, I imagine the world looks like a very scary place for a lot of people because they don't know what the future holds. They don't know where the world's headed. We can see that we're sliding downhill, um, but but without, a, you know, the, the kind of perspective that we have that Scripture gives us, we understand why it's in that situation. We know why the world is crumbling and we're, we're in this great battle between good and evil, this great controversy, and um, we recognize that the world's broken, we're broken, and we need a saviour, and Jesus is that saviour. And that's why we call our program Looking Up, based on those words from Jesus in Luke 21, where Jesus talked about men's hearts failing them from fear, and I'm reading in Luke 21, in case you're wondering where these words come from. 
um, from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming upon the earth. Yeah, because the heavens will be shaken and it speaks of nations in distress with perplexity. And then Jesus says, when you see all these things, look up for your redemption draws near. Amen. So um, so when we see what we are seeing right now, I mean, I was telling you earlier that there was a, a, a headline uh, that I came across. Well, I guess a couple of weeks ago now at the end of June, where our prime minister, Scott Morrison, um shared that the government was pumping 270 billion dollars into building larger military according to the headline to prepare for now these are his words and this was this was the headline abc news headline to prepare for a poorer more dangerous world so um you know it, it's just you know this is from our prime minister our prime minister is not uh, simply saying that you know, maybe we may face conflict in the future. He's, he's, he's more leaning towards not the if, but when. Yeah. And so I think the whole world is, is really on edge and what's happening there in the United States. I personally believe that, that the country could very well be on the edge of another civil war. Perish the thought. Mm. But with the political tensions there. It's quite volatile. And, um, oh, it's just volatile. I mean, we, like saw with the keg. we saw with the protests. Yeah. I mean, they were burning down cities. Yeah. Um, almost, you know, they were burning down police stations. I mean, the police yeah. uh, have been set in place in order to protect the community. And yet, if those that are set aside to protect the community are set in flame, are set, are set alight, then, I mean, what hope is there? I think uh, what what those um, situations told me, uh, Danny, is how fragile the the peace that we experience uh, often is. Is you never know when uh, something like that could flare up. And uh, you know, I th- I get the feeling that there's a lot of anxiety, there's a lot of tension um, in in the communities at the moment because of lockdown, because of the the various restraints that people have been put under. And um, if they don't possess self-control, which Bible tells us is one of the fruits of the Spirit, yeah. if we don't possess that self-control, it's um, not that difficult to see it getting out of hand. So it's very interesting. We're experiencing this second spike in Australia of the coronavirus. And so um, it will be very interesting to see uh, how the community and how businesses and people deal with that going forward because you know we have months ahead of this ahead of us of this mm. uh there's no real end in sight i noticed that they were uh testing a vaccine um but oh. at the end of the day testing is one thing and producing it is another and you know let's hope they do but let's hope they get one but at this stage it's uh, all a question mark that's right and by the way I've, i forgot to share this earlier but i was sharing um with peter um i need to give i need to give uh, a big shout out to a couple of amazing landscapers uh, across the road when I turned up, I think it was after the radio program, if I remember correctly, last week, or it might have been a day or, or two after. But there is a landscape business here in Newcastle called Looking Up Landscapes. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Looking Up Landscapes. And um, so, fellas, if you're out there listening, I think they said they were going to tune in <laughs> to, um, to. Did hear you tell this. them about the show? I did tell them about the well, show. That's good. I, I told them they need to tune That's in good. and um, it's going to be worth their while. And they said they actually finished work at around 3.30, so they were hoping to jump on board. They um, might be in drive time right yeah, now. So if you are, fellas, 
Um, you're the best landscapers in Newcastle, <laughs> bar none. Keep looking up, guys. Keep looking up, guys. Yeah, That's what I was saying. Yeah, well, um, I was going to say um, maybe I'll share something with uh, the listeners as well, Danny, that I was doing last night. So I've been presenting a series of messages um, on, uh, on Zoom called Is God For Real, mm-hmm. which is uh, a series that basically explores some of the basic questions that people might have if they're exploring the idea of God and, and you know, what, what, is the, what difference does it make whether God's in your life or not? Um, the evidence in favor of the existence of God, the evidence in favor of the reliability of the Bible. Um, last night we did, did we really evolve? Because many people will say, well, it's all very well talking about evidence for the reliability of the Bible, but what about the first page? Did we really evolve? Um, you know, because evolution is the prevalent, uh, the dominant origin story for our community. And so, um, so there, that was fascinating. But people can find those messages the ones that we have shared so far, you can find them at isgodforreal.com.au. If you go there and you click on the videos tab, you'll see the first three presentations there ready to watch. And so uh, if people would like to uh, catch up with that, enjoy that, they're pretty much posted every Wednesday morning. So um, if people want to catch up with that, I think they would enjoy those and also share them with other people because people have these questions. Is God for real? Does he exist? Can we trust the Bible? those kind of questions. So, um, yeah, we just like to encourage people to uh, check out the material and uh, hopefully it's helpful to them. Absolutely. And also um, there's uh, another great resource online and it's called Lineage Journey. Okay. Uh, Lineage Journey, it, it simply traces um, the the church from the period of, of the the Reformation or it's the really very looking at early, history, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, all the way back to um, the Celts, you know, the the, the Celtic Church. But more than um, that, it actually it actually begins with Jesus and the disciples. It does, yes, and then moves uh, rapidly forward into uh, various areas of history. But what's great about this series, what I like about it, Danny, is they're little five minute snippets. Mm. So every episode is about five minutes, and it covers a significant part of Christian history. And um, it's a great way of learning history because if you've only got five minutes, you can watch it on YouTube, you, you, you know, pick up a, an episode or two, and then if you've got longer, sometimes you can watch more. So um, I like the fact that it's packaged in very neat, bite-sized pieces. Yeah, so you can go online, lineagejourney.com. Um, yeah, if you go to Lineage Journey on YouTube, yeah, you'll find there. it there. There's a YouTube channel, and uh, there's actually... Three series of this uh, this yeah, series, and um, so um, they've they've just started series three. But uh, we certainly would recommend you start at uh, series one, yep. episode one. That's right. Yep. So that's fantastic. And uh, finally, I think my sister's listening. In. She's in quarantine. She's in a two week lockdown in a Sydney hotel. Really? What <laughs> she happened? Got, she got back from overseas. Um, she had to travel to oh, she had to travel overseas, and she came back, and she spent well, she spent two weeks. On the other side, in quarantine, and now she's spending two weeks wow. in quarantine here. So four weeks of a, I don't know, six-week trip was Now, I heard that they're going to make you pay your own bills. Yeah, she's paying she, her she, own No, she hotel. just got in just in time. Wow. So my sister got in just in time. So okay. anyway, sis, if you're listening... Welcome to Sydney. Absolutely. <laughs> Unbelievable. Okay, well, yes, um, yeah, I suppose uh, we should get into the material, at least um, preface the material. Last week... We want to get into some Bible study now. We want to get into Bible prophecy that we've been alluding to. But this week's topic, we're going to be looking at the beast. 
of Revelation chapter 13, and some people will have heard of the beast. I remember, uh, I think it was an Iron Maiden song back in the, uh, would have been the 80s, probably even 70s or early 80s. Iron Maiden uh, 666, the number of the beast. And that was a song. And uh, so, you know, Iron Maiden were having metal group. Uh, I I just remember that. But, um, But yeah, a lot of people might have heard of the mark of the beast or the number of the beast. Well, we're actually going to be talking about the identity of the beast today in today's program. And it's um, basically springboarding off what we covered in Daniel chapter 7. Now, Daniel chapter 7 last week, we did not cover everything in that chapter. It's so rich, it's so broad. Uh, Basically, you have four major kingdoms of uh, Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome. Then you have the divisions of those kingdoms and a little horn power followed by a judgment, and then ultimately the second coming of Christ uh, takes us through that. So that's the layout of Daniel chapter 7. There's a character there called the Son of Man, which we didn't really look too much into last week. And so we might pick up and look at that briefly, because the Son of Man is a very important character in that chapter. want to pick up on that. But then we're going to springboard from Daniel 7 into Revelation chapter 13, looking at the identity of the beast power. So you won't want to miss this. Stay tuned. Call your friends. We're going to get into this after the break. And uh, before we do, we are going to be uh, listening to the Gather Vocal Band, uh, Low Down the Chariot. So enjoy the music. Low down the chariot, let me ride. 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 Why don't you low down the chariot, let me ride. 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 Ride on, ride on, King Jesus. Ride on, King Jesus. Ride on, ride on, the conquering King. I wanna go to heaven in the morning. Ride on, ride on, King Jesus. Ride on, ride on, King Jesus. Ride on, ride on, the conquering King. I wanna go to heaven in the morning. I've been trying so hard just to make it on through. You know I'm trying to live the way you want me to. I wanna say goodbye to all the sin inside. I don't wanna miss that great glory ride. So when you break on through that golden sky, please slow it down, don't pass me by. Swing that chariot way down low. I wanna go like Elijah when I go. Conquering King, I wanna go to heaven in the morning. Chariot, let me ride. 
Low down the chariot, let me ride. Oh, low down the chariot, let me ride. Low down the chariot, let me ride. Low down the chariot, let me ride. Low down the chariot, You are indeed listening to Faith FM. This is the afternoon show on a Wednesday afternoon. It's Looking Up with Danny Melenkov, my wonderful co-host and friend, and myself, Peter Watts. Are you serious? <laughs> well, I think so. That's what he has I'm to say. I'm trying to give you the best. I'm trying to give you a good beat up, Danny. All right. Well, we have been talking about... Um, the program, and we're going to get into that shortly. But Danny's going to tell us a little bit about. We've got a free offer later in the program. If you want to tell us about Indeed that, indeed we have. Um, yes, the the free offer for today is the classic book on church history from the time of the destruction of Jerusalem in seventy A.D. all the way through to the formation of a new heaven and a new earth. That's so a all lot the of way through. That That's covers a, a lot. That covers a lot of time and territory. So it's called The Great Controversy, and um, it really is a classic book. It's the best book on Christian history all the way through to the end. And in particular, it deals with the times we're living in and the final events of Bible prophecy, that final worship war that we've been talking about. And as the title suggests, it, it really does zero in on this great controversy between good and evil, Christ and Satan, and uh, and the choice that each and every person will make. So that's a book you want to have in your library. And we'll be making that available at the Indeed, end of the we show. Will. Indeed. Yeah, it's the best book I know on history that segues with prophecy and tells us not only where we've been, but where we're going. It's a book written over 100 years ago, but yeah. it's so relevant. It's like reading, yeah. it's like reading the news. Um, on the front page of your papers. It's just incredible. Yeah, well worth a read. So mm. we hope you get hold of that book. Okay, so we were talking earlier about the fact that um, we were in Daniel chapter 7 last week, which is a real um, blockbuster of a prophecy uh, in that chapter. And we saw, uh, as a review, there were four beasts that uh, Daniel sees, and he is told that these four beasts represent kingdoms. They are. Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome. Out of Rome come four, uh, sorry, ten uh, horns, which represent ten kingdoms that come out of the uh, the fall of the Roman Empire. And amongst them comes a little horn, which we had identified, in fact, not us, but the great reformers had identified as the Roman papal power. Um, we looked into that uh, last week, and many people might have been shocked at that identification. And I think this is... Uh, it's in many of the history books, of course. We're talking about reformers as uh, far ago as 700 years ago with John Wycliffe, uh, Jan Hus, Martin Luther, uh, John Knox, John Wesley, John Calvin, all of these great reformers. Uh, they all identified this little horn power as the papal power. And so um, we want to understand that. Uh, we looked at 10 identifying characteristics um, to identify this, and that's how the reformers arrived at their conclusions. But there's a character I wanted to point out in Daniel chapter 7, verse 13. It says, I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven, he came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. In the midst of this chapter, in the midst of these 
um, secular powers, these secular empires, in the midst of the activity of this little horn power, you have the Son of Man, which is a reference to Jesus. And in fact, Jesus used that phrase, the Son of Man, to refer to himself more often than any other phrase. And so uh, we see a picture here of Jesus coming, and there is also a judgment scene in this chapter too, which gives you, it kind of pulls the curtain back on what God is doing whilst the activity of this little horn power uh, is, is uh, you know, making trouble for the saints. So we're going to now pick this up. We're going to leave that there. We will be looking at the judgment that we find there in Daniel chapter 7. We're going to look at that in another program. But we're going to pick up the information that we found last week in Daniel chapter 7. And we're going to go now to Revelation, the 13th chapter. And we're going to be looking at the topic of the identity of the beast. Many people may have heard of the mark of the beast They may have heard of 666 as the number of the beast, but we are going to be looking at the identity of the beast. Who is this beast power and uh, what can we discern about it? And I think what we might do, Danny, is we might pick this up and we'll just go through verse by verse. Through the first 10 verses of Revelation chapter 13, because we want to understand this chapter, we want to understand the symbols used, and we want to use the Bible to interpret the symbols that are used. So maybe uh, I'll get you to uh, pick up on verse, maybe you want to read verse 1. Sure. And uh, we'll pick up from there. Revelation 13 and beginning in verse 1, it says, and I'm reading from the New King James Version of the Bible, Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. Wow. Heaps of symbolism right there in the first verse. Um, Let's start with the first part. Then I stood on the sand of the sea and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea. Now, if you remember Daniel chapter 7, we saw there four beasts rising up out of the sea. Okay, And when we looked at the, the sea, what do the waters represent? Because this is symbolism, right? We're not talking about real creatures coming out really from the water. These are symbolic of something else. So what is that multitude of waters, that sea, what is that? What does it represent? And if we go across to Revelation 17 and verse 15, it says there, Then he said to me, The waters which you saw, where the harlot sits, don't worry about the harlot, we'll come to that in another program. And he says, The waters which you saw, are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. In other words, this sea represents multitudes of people. Uh, That's what it represented in Daniel chapter 7. These four beasts, those four kingdoms that came up out of a a place where there were multitudes of people. And this is really what this is saying. Now again, when it says in Revelation 13, 1, I saw a beast rising up out of the sea. The sea represents multitudes of people and the beast represents a kingdom, a nation or a political power. We discovered that from Daniel chapter 7. Verse 17. Yeah. And verse 23, 24, it mentions that as well. That's right. So we recognize that this is simply talking about a kingdom, a power, a political nation that is rising up out of a most populous 
area of the world. And that's what the horns also represent, Peter. Um, they right. represent uh, a kingdom. And you can find that in Daniel 7, verse 24, where it says the ten yep. horns are ten kings. That's right. So once again, well, I want to, the what Bible I want, explains itself. Yeah. What I want to do here is I'm going to uh, read verse 2. Because when we put one and two together, we can then start unpacking some more of these symbols, and I think it'll make it a little clearer. So what we've already said is a beast represents a kingdom, a nation, or a political power, a country, if you like. Okay, it's rising up out of the sea. That represents multitudes of people. If we understand these symbols, it becomes much easier for us to understand what the prophecy is actually talking about. So let's go to verse 2 for a minute. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard, his feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the like mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. Wow, loads more symbols there. Mm, but notice this very interesting. If people remember last week, listening to us talk about Daniel chapter 7, they will remember that we talked about a lion, a bear, a leopard, and a terrible beast. That's right. Here we have a description in verse 2 of Revelation 13 that says, A beast that was like a leopard, feet of a bear, mouth like a lion. And so he's actually using the different words that were used in Daniel chapter 7 to describe this beast. Now, interestingly, in Revelation 13, we're talking about one beast. One kingdom, one political power, one nation, right? Not the four of Daniel 7. However, he's using the words, the descriptions of those beasts to describe this one. In other words, what he's trying to get us to say, the writer, or under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we get this message and he's basically saying, remember Daniel 7. Mm, That's really what it's pointing us to. And so you have, very interestingly in Daniel 7, you have Daniel talking, he sees a lion, a bear, a leopard, and a terrible beast in Daniel chapter 7. Why? Because he lives at the time of the lion, which is Babylon. And, he's looking and he forward. is looking forward into the future. Babylon was followed by the Medes of Persians. They were followed by the Greeks. They were followed by the Romans, right? Have that sequence, lion, bear, leopard, terrible beast. Here, John is living at the time of the Roman Empire. And he begins with a beast, looks back and sees a leopard, a bear, and a lion. So it's, it's actually exactly in the right sequence, mm. depending on the point of view of the writer. Daniel is writing from the perspective of being in Babylon, looking into the future. John is standing from the perspective of being at the time of the Roman Empire. And he's listing the, those kingdoms in the order looking back through history but we have to remember this is talking about one beast one kingdom one political power not four i have a little i have a little insight on this also as i've thought about um these beasts uh coming together in this one beast that we spoke of in daniel 7 and could it be that god's also trying to tell us that uh, the various elements of those kingdoms uh all come together in this one power, in this one beast. Yeah, well, that's right. That's right. It's got elements mm. of those kingdoms within it. There's no question. Yes. So here's a thought. Um, it is trying to, t- and it, it says here at the end of verse two, it says the dragon gave him his power, his throne and great authority. 
Now, in Revelation chapter 12, which is one chapter back, and I'm going to draw people's attention to this, it tells us in verse 9 who this dragon is. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that we don't have to guess. And this is important, I believe, Danny, because what we want to do with this is not simply say, well, this represents this, and not give biblical evidence. We want to help people to know that it is the Bible that gives us the interpretation of the symbols that is used. All the keys are to be found in the Bible. All the keys are found there in yep. the Scripture. Do you want me to read verse 9? Yeah, read verse 9. Okay, it says, So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So we can see here that the dragon that is mentioned, who gives his power to this beast... Uh, power the dragon is actually none other than the devil and satan he's also called the serpent of old which Mm -hmm. will come in later um and so the devil goes by many names he goes by the name lucifer he goes by the name satan he goes by the name of the dragon but i also want you to notice in revelation chapter 12 the dragon uh, was using the pagan roman empire as a puppet if you like it as a front The devil has always worked through human beings. He's always worked through earthly powers. Okay, he's done that in the past. He worked through Egypt. He worked through Babylon, as we've seen. He worked through the pagan Roman Empire. And so he's working through the pagan Roman Empire. And uh, it was through that power of Rome that this political religious power that we're talking about in Revelation 13 received its power, its throne, and great authority. Mm, and we want to uh, keep going with this. So it's a, a political power that rises up out of a multitude of people. And uh, just quickly, in verse 1 there, it says, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. Let's just unpack that a little bit. If we look back to Daniel chapter 7, it says, having seven heads. How many heads did the lion have? One. One. How many heads did the bear have? One. How many heads did the leopard have? Four. One, two, three, four. And how many heads did the terrible beast have? One. One. That adds up to seven heads. Wow. Okay. How many horns did the lion have? None. How many horns did the bear have? None. None. How many horns did the leopard have? None. None. How many horns did the terrible beast have? Ten. Ten. And so this is where we get the seven heads and ten horns from. Mm. It's simply trying to get us to think, oh, Daniel chapter 7. So all the elements that are found in this beast in Revelation 13, all those elements are to be found amongst the four beasts. Of Daniel chapter 7. Of Daniel chapter 7. And this is is important to know because the writer here, which the ultimate author is the Holy Spirit. It's God, right, who's who's Mm. authoring the book of Revelation. But John is writing down what he sees. And... He is trying to get us to think of Daniel chapter 7 because we've already identified that power that was given so much attention, so much description, the little horn power of Daniel chapter 7. It's trying to help us to remember, remember Daniel chapter 7. So this piece, this political power, it has uh, all these elements and we'll come back and identify some more in a moment. We're going to go to a great song. I really love this song. It's by the Booth Brothers. He saw it all. I've got this song. I recommend you listen to this song. There's a great story in it. He saw it all by the Booth Brothers.
some business affairs I heard a commotion a couple streets over and wondered what's happening there a young man was running from in that direction and stopped just to catch his breath I asked him to please tell me what was the hurry smiled up at me and he said I was trying to catch the crippled man did he run past this way he was rushing home to tell everyone what Jesus did today and the mute man was telling myself and the deaf girl he's leaving to answer God's call to believe, but if you don't trust me, ask the blind man, he saw it all, ask the blind man, he saw it all. My friend, if the troubles and burdens you carry are heavy and dragging you down, You've tried everything you can possibly think of But there's no relief to be found That very same Jesus that altered the future of the blind man, the deaf and the lame Is still reaching out in your hour of trouble One touch and you're never the same The crippled man, did he run past this way? He was rushing home to tell everyone what Jesus did today. And the mute man was telling myself and the deaf girl he's leaving to answer God's call. It's hard to believe, but if you don't trust me, Welcome back to Faith FM. You are with the afternoon program looking up with me, Peter Watts, and my co-host and good friend, Danny Malenkov. I hope you enjoyed that song, uh, The Booth Brothers with He Saw It All. I think that's a terrific song. So we hope you enjoyed that. So we were diving into Bible prophecy. We were looking at Daniel chapter, uh, sorry, Daniel chapter 7 and Revelation chapter 13, and we were doing a comparison. And we talked about the fact that... Um, this beast in Revelation 13 is rising up out of the sea. It has seven heads and ten horns. And this is directing us back to our attention, back to Daniel chapter 7. And uh, this is a political power. It is rising up out of a multitude of people. That's what it means by rising up out of the sea. It says it has on its head ten crowns. Uh, sorry, on, on its horns, those ten crowns. In, in other words, they were going to be ruled by a monarch, each of those ten kingdoms that came up. Mm that we talked about last week in Daniel 7, and on his head, a blasphemous name. That is a name that 
discredits God and seeks to place yourself in the place of God. Uh, and that's what blasphemy is. It's attributing to yourself something that is only the prerogative of God. And we looked at that a little bit last week. I want to read now. Uh, we've read a verse 2. Um, and then I want to read verse 3, Danny. Mm. Which says, And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world marveled and followed the beast. What we're suggesting today is that this beast power that is being represented here in Revelation chapter 13, the, the first 10 verses, this beast power represents that political religious system that was identified in Daniel chapter 7 that we talked about last week that the reformers hundreds of years ago identified as the papal political religious system. And uh, I don't know if you want to uh, say anything about that, Danny, before we move on further. I'm going to do some comparisons between Daniel 7 and Revelation 13 in a minute. So Now, I think it's important just to understand that what we are sharing is uh, built on the foundation of the reformers and the reason why many people... Um, do not know or do not understand these things today in Christendom is because in the last couple of hundred years, sadly, um, there has been a, a deliberate manipulation and a reinterpretation of what the scriptures actually say and what history has clearly identified. And so that is why some people or many people, many are people shocked. are shocked and they're completely in the dark. But when you go through the history books, that is indeed what what. Christians have believed in and the reformers taught like for the last six, seven hundred years onwards. Yeah, in fact, um, many people may have been alerted in the news to the fact that we, not, not that long ago, passed the 500th year anniversary of the Protestant Reformation, right. which was um, 2017, was the uh, 500th year of the anniversary of the Reformation under Martin Luther. And some people may have seen that in the news Um and so that, that that was important. But uh, I think you're right, Danny. Uh, these things have been around. I mean, many people may know of the King James Version that we've had around for 400 years. Um, probably the best known English translation of the Bible um, influenced the English language. We use many phrases out of the King James Bible, even if we have nothing to do with the Bible. But if we live in an English-speaking culture, uh, many of the phrases that we use have come out of that. And what's interesting is in the introduction to the King James Bible, it talked about the uh, the blow that this would deal, the printing of the King James Bible, mm. the blow that this would deal to the papal power. Mm. Um, and most people may not know that that's in the... Uh... Now, when we talk about this, it's very important. We've mentioned this last week. We're going to mention it again, that we are talking about a power, a system... We're not talking about the individuals that mm, make up indeed. the Roman Catholic Church. There are many wonderful, spirit-filled, heaven-bound Christian people within the Roman Catholic faith. Uh, and we've known many of them, Daniel, uh, ourselves. So uh, we're not talking about the people here. We're simply talking about a system that moved further and further away from biblical principles uh, through its history and uh, ended up placing itself in the place of Christ as opposed to promoting Christ. Mm, and indeed, and as, and as we uh, discover here, this power, this um, medieval church, 
as we refer to it as the papacy. Which is also a state, by the way, because right, we're talking about a political right. power here. Yeah, we talked here. about that last week, how, yeah. how, how on its flag it has two keys yeah. um, that represent its political as well as its religious arm. Yep. And so, yeah, we, we know that full well. Now, it says here, um, Peter, that one of its heads would be mortally wounded. Now, right. Can we know when that might have happened? Is there anything in history? Is there anything here in the passage where God shares with us uh, the reign of this power? Well, in verse 5, it, it says, And he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. He was given authority to continue for 42 months. And... Uh, it's at the end of that period of 42 months. These are 42 prophetic months. And uh, we mentioned last week when we were looking at Daniel chapter 7 that that little horn power depicted there would um, be in power for a time, times, and a half a time. That's right. Yeah. This is a prophetic period of time. And we need to talk about it. We need to explain it a little bit because then we'll give some time frame to this religio-political power. So if we think about the time, times, and a half a time, what you have is a time represented one year, times represent two years, and a half a time represent a half a year. In figurative language, it's saying three and a half prophetic years. Biblically speaking, uh, a year had 360 days. They would have 12 months of 30 days each. Um, today, some of our months have 30 days. Some of our months have 31. One of our months has 30, uh, 28 days. Um, we're, we're a bit all over the shop with, with the way our calendar is set up. Um, and, of course, we have 365 days in a year. And a quarter. And a quarter, because every fourth year we add an extra day, don't we? That's right, leap year. To try and keep the calendar in sync. Well, in the ancient times, they had 12 months of 30 days, a 360-day year, but every so often they would add in a whole month, mm. just as we add in a whole day yeah. to keep the calendar in balance with the seasons. They used to add in a whole month, but their typical year was 360 uh, days with 12 months of 30 days and so when we add up the three and a half years of prophetic time that we give in the time times and a half a time that's uh, 360 plus times or two years which is 720 uh, plus 180 or a half a time you had to add all of that up it's 1260 days that's right and that is a prophetic period because it represents 1,260 years when this papal power would rule and reign. And that was from the time of Justinian, 538 AD. You add 1,260 years, it takes us to 1,798. And what happened then was Napoleon, who was attempting to rule Europe, he knew he could not rule Europe unless he broke the back of the papal power. Such had been its dominance and influence through the previous thousand years. And so at the end of the 1,260 years, 1798, you have the Pope taken prisoner by Napoleon's general. He was put into prison. He died in prison. And many believed in the Protestant world, both in Europe and in America, many believed that was the end of the papacy. Mm. That's right. I remember reading uh, John Wesley in his commentary mm. on Revelation. He he spoke of he spoke of this day of 
of, of the deadly wound. Um, and uh, he also made it very clear that this would come at the end of the 1260-year period. Well, I actually, uh, I have that, um, I have a quote here from uh, John Wesley in okay. 1754. Okay. So he was uh, talking about the second beast of Revelation, which is going to, is way off yet. But in terms of the first beast, he says, talking to the second beast, he said, he is not yet come, but he cannot be far off for he is to appear at the end mm. of the 42 months of the first beast. John Wesley knew in 50, uh, 1754 that the first beast was coming to an end soon. And so he understood this. And of course, the 42 months, if you have 42 months of 30 days, again, you have 1,260 days. These are prophetic days. The Bible tells us one day represents a year symbolically in Bible prophecy. We can see that in Ezekiel 4, 6. We can also see it in Numbers 14, 34. And a number of other places too. But it helps us to understand that these prophetic time periods are pointing to something more than literal time. They're pointing to prophetic time. And it represents the 1,260 years of papal supremacy. And uh, as we said, a deadly wound was was received at that time. Um, If we go back to the Bible in Revelation 13, verse 3, as you've rightly said, Danny, it said, and I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded. What does mortal mean? Well, you're dead. Deadly, right? You are mortal. You and I are mortal. We're not immortal. wounded, that's it. If we're mortally wounded, it seems like we've died, right? Yes, that's right. But it says, his deadly wound was healed, and all the world marveled and followed the beast. So the prediction here is it would receive a mortal and deadly wound, which it received in 1798. But it says the deadly wound was healed, and all the world marveled and followed the beast. In other words, it's speaking of a rise of this power, a resurrection, if you will, of this power. I want to share some things here. And worldwide, not just in Western Europe. Yeah, there are some some comparisons I want us to consider here. We've been talking about Daniel chapter 7 last week and uh, the identifying of that little horn power as the papal power. And now we see it here as a full-blown kingdom, a beast power, a kingdom power of its own here in Revelation 13. I want you to notice some of the comparisons between Daniel 7 and Revelation 13. Okay, Firstly, they both have beasts rising up out of the sea. Mm-hmm. Okay, Both of them begin that way. Both mention the lion, the bear, the leopard, and the terrible beast. Okay, Both mention all of those elements. Both of them mention the ten horns. Both of them mention speaking great things or blasphemies. Mm-hmm. Both of them have them reigning for 1,260 days. In Daniel 7, it's described as a time, times and a half a time. In Revelation chapter 13, it's described as 42 months. But it's both describing this time period of 1,260 literal days. And if I can just add in... Well, literal Revela- years, I should say. Yeah, literal years. And in Revelation chapter 12, verse 6, we have their 1,260 days yep. mentioned regarding this power. And also in verse 14 of Revelation 12, we have that that term from Daniel 7, a time, times, and a half a time. And so in Revelation 13, you've got the 42 months. So you've got all three 
uh, all three um, ways of expressing this prophetic time. Yeah, all three ways of expressing prophetic time in these two chapters, chapter 12 and chapter 13. So God wants to make it absolutely clear beyond any shadow of a doubt how long this power would reign. So from 538 AD, when the Church of Rome received its political as well as its religious authority in Rome, and it filled that vacuum that the Roman that the Roman Caesars had left behind as they had moved to the eastern part of mm-hmm. the empire there in Constantinople. So we have the Church of Rome um, officially beginning its reign in 538 AD. You fast forward 1260 years and you get to 1798 right on time. It's incredible. It is incredible. And, you know, you've got that uh, that large span. You know, some people might say, well, how can you say that the Roman, um, you know, papal system is in Bible prophecy? And you would think, well... If it's been so dominant for so many years in history, why wouldn't you have it written in prophecy? If God really knows what's going to go on in the Christian church, wouldn't he put it in prophecy? Wouldn't he tell us in advance what to expect? In fact, you mentioned Revelation chapter 12, the 1260 days there, Danny. In Revelation chapter 12, you have the woman representing Christ's genuine church, and it says the woman's in the wilderness for that period. In other words, Christ's true followers are almost pushed into the wilderness by the dominance of this uh, religious state power. And we're going to talk some more about it. There's actually some comparisons. We've talked about uh, the last week when we talked about the little horn power, we talked about the fact that many of the reformers called it the Antichrist power. It was in the place of Christ. We're going to pick that theme up uh, again when we come back in a few moments. We're going to listen to Amy Grant and El Shaddai. So uh, listen to a little bit of music. We'll take a break and we'll come back and begin our discussion again. Thank you. 
Though the people couldn't see what Messiah ought to be, though your word contained the plan, they just could not understand. Your most awesome work was done through the frailty of your son. El Shaddai, El Shaddai, El We're listening to Amy Grant and El Shaddai. Welcome back. Danny, how can people get in touch with us? Well, if people want to get in touch with us, our phone number they can call is 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-324-843 or 1-800-FAITH-FM. Or they can text their questions or their comments to 0491 064669 that's 0491064669 and if you would like to catch up on previous episodes because we have um dived into revelation 13 today we've taken a brief look at we're in the deep end we are we are so we so if you've joined us for the first time you know you find yourself in the deep end and it will be extremely helpful to you to catch up on where we have been in order to give you a context and understanding some foundations that we have already established. And in order to do that, you want to go to faithfm.com.au and there you will find on the website podcasts, click podcasts and go to Looking Up with Danny Malenkov and Peter Watts and there you'll discover all the previous episodes all the way from when we first began um, this Wednesday afternoon series all the way up until today. So I'd encourage you to do that and that way you will get the full picture of, of this important prophetic scenario that we are painting from the books of Daniel and Revelation in particular that help us understand the times we're living in, what the issues are going to be and how ultimately you can make your stand to be faithful and loyal and worship Jesus Christ alone. Yeah, and how you can find yourself in the kingdom of God, Amen. which is coming That's soon. That's the bottom line. That's, That's the, the bottom, bottom line. line. We want to be inside the kingdom, not outside the kingdom. And, you know, people may ask us, Danny, they might be saying, well, why bother with all this stuff? Can't we just talk about Jesus? Um, but, you know, this whole great controversy between good and evil, this whole great controversy between Christ and Satan, that's what it is. It's between Christ and Satan. And so you've got a um, 
a battle going on between truth and error, um, between you know light and darkness, uh, however one you want to call it. And unless what the Bible reveals to us is is the reality of this battle, and it reveals to us um, what is true and what isn't. And the devil is the master of disguise, and the devil has been very successful in diverting people's attention from God and onto a variety of different things. And he's attempting to usurp God's place. That was the devil's uh, desire in the first place. We read about it in um, Isaiah chapter 14, I think. Chapter 12, yeah, verses 12 to 14. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And so... um, what we have is the devil desiring to be God. He wants God's position. And so what you it's no surprise that then there would be someone, a, a, an attempt by the devil to place a power in the place of Christ to divert people's attention away from Christ. So we talked before the break about Christ or Antichrist. And I just want to um, make a comparison here about the, 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 the Lamb of Revelation, which is Jesus Christ, and the beast of Revelation, which is the Antichrist. Now, just have a look at this comparison. Both of them begin their ministry by rising out of the water. Mm, interesting. Of course, Jesus rises out of uh, the waters of baptism in the Jordan River there. He began his ministry uh, at his baptism. He rises out of the water. The beast, of course, rises out of the waters uh, of the great sea that are spoken of there in Revelation chapter 13, verse 1. Both the lamb and the beast... Both have horns, interestingly enough. It says uh, two horns like a lamb. You know, a lamb has horns. They're symbols of power, incidentally, um, which we could talk about. Both minister for three and a half years. Mm, that was really fascinating. Isn't I, that interesting? When I found Jesus that out. has a three and a half year literal ministry. Mm-hmm. The beast has a prophetic three and a half year ministry, which equates to 1,260 days, which are literally... 1,260 years, both receive a deadly wound. Jesus died on the cross. This beast power receives a mortal wound. It appears as if it's dead. Mm. But both rise again. Both have a resurrection, which is fascinating. Um, Both have power and a throne, the Bible tells us. And both receive worship. And so that's a fascinating comparison between the Lamb of Revelation and the Beast of Revelation. One is the Christ, the other is the Antichrist. And it's important for us to acquaint ourselves with the Christ of the Bible, that we be not deceived. You know, what I've noticed, uh, Danny, and this is brought out, by the way, in that series, Lineage Journey, that we mentioned, that you can see on YouTube, talks about the history of the Christian church. The devil has pursued mainly two tactics to try to attack God's people. First, persecution, mm-hmm. and then deception. Well, that's how it all began, through pagan Rome. Yep. Uh, the devil persecuted the Christian church, and then the devil switched gears. Because he, he wasn't winning. No, he wasn't. The Christian church was That's continuing right. to grow under persecution. That's right. The Christian church continued to grow. That's right. So he persecuted through deception. And it's interesting that when we get to the second beast of Revelation chapter 13 next week, and you don't want to miss out on that as we continue yeah. that journey, but we have, we have 
deception and coercion. Yeah. So we have um, those two elements at the end Coming of time. Together. Once again, the devil will utilize both those methods in yeah. order to receive worship. Well, in this, uh, you know, in the, when we're talking about the history of the Christian church from the time of Jesus, because he did warn that, um, the, you know, tribulation would come and so forth. But I think uh, there would be a falling away in the church. And I think you were going to talk yeah, about that's that. that's right. Well, last week we, we talked about this when we looked at Daniel chapter 7 in particular. But the Apostle Paul, so he wrote in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, this predates the book of Revelation, which was the last book of the Bible written. But in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, he wrote regarding this antichrist power that we've been speaking of that seeks to take the prerogatives that belong to God alone. And these are the words that he used, very fascinating words. Let no one deceive you by any means for that day, and he's speaking of the second coming, will not come unless the falling away comes first, or the great apostasy. That's what that word literally means in the mm. Greek. So and explain what ap apostasy, I apostasy, mean, it's kind of... A, a, apostasy means falling away from truth. Right. Uh, when we speak of the great apostasy, we're speaking of the Christian church that falls away from Bible truth. Becoming unfaithful. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, uh, so where was I? Yeah, unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed. Now, sin, according to 1 John chapter 3, verse 4, a definition of sin is lawlessness. He right. who commits sin a commits disregard of the law of God. That's right. And we discover that this power wages war against God's law, seeks to or thinks to change God's times and laws. We looked at that last week. From and Daniel I'm sure 7, there are many 25. people thinking, well, how does it possibly do that? And go back and listen to some of the previous podcasts. Right. But also, I think we want to we're going to have a look at that topic a little bit more deeply, too, in a future program. We will. And then uh, the Apostle Paul goes on and says this power uh, spoken of as the man of sin is also spoken of as the son of perdition. And last week we brought out that there's only one other, one other place in Scripture where that phrase son of perdition is used in the New Testament, and that is when Jesus refers to Judas. Yeah. And Judas was an insider. So, so the Apostle Paul is saying that, that this system um, of the Antichrist will be from within Christianity. Don't look outside of Christian circles like many are today, but look within Christianity itself because he's speaking to the Christians. Well, it's fascinating if we think about it from the history of God's people, uh, you know, in you take Israel, for instance, Israel, uh, the 12 tribes settled in the promised land. But very, uh, you know, after the time of Solomon, 10 of those tribes broke away from the two tribes and they very quickly became idolatrous. That's right. So what I'm saying is even in the history of God's people in the Bible, this kind of apostasy is not uncommon. We've seen it before. Well, Moses went up on Mount Sinai to collect the Ten Commandments, and what happened down below? There's a golden calf. So we are pretty fickle when it comes to faithfulness to God. And in verse 4, I'll just finish off here. The Apostle Paul writes, regarding this power, this is very strong and very clear language. This power opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped. So that's a key element there. This power would seek worship, and ultimately we've discovered the dragon is behind this power. Or that is worshipped so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So this power will seek very clearly, according to the words of the Apostle Paul, 
to take on board the prerogatives of worship that yep. belong to God and God alone. And in the book of Revelation, in chapter 13 and 14, that word worship appears eight times, seven times in relation to this beast power and one time in relation to worshipping God, the creator of the world, which we're going yep. to look at in the, in upcoming weeks. Yeah, this is very important because worship, people may not uh, you know, realize this at the moment, but worship will be the issue at the end of time. It's going to be who, when, and how you worship. That's right. And um, <clears throat> I want to come back to Revelation 13. We're going to just pick up again at verse 3. Um, it says, And I saw one of his heads, uh, that would be the Roman head, as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world marveled and followed the beast. So here we have a kind of summing up. This beast power rules for a while. It receives a deadly wound. It's deadly wounded, healed, and all the world marvels after the beast, right? Then what happens is if you continue on, it's kind of a repeat and enlarge thing. So it goes back into the history of the papacy or the history of this Roman papal power um, and gives you more details. And so this is the principle that we were talking about before, repeat and enlarge. So there you are. uh, You've got the, the mortal wound healed. And all the world's marveling after the beast. Then, then we've got some more details. So let's move on to verse 4. Revelation 13, 4, it says, So they worship the dragon who gave authority to the beast. Now hold on here. <laughs> Can you imagine that the people who are worshipping the beast are actually worshipping the dragon? The dragon. And who is that? We've already identified that as none other than the devil and Satan. And this is what he's trying to do. He's wanting people to worship him and not God. And he's trying to divert worship away from God to himself. And nothing new under the sun, Peter, because at the very beginning of time, how did the devil tempt Eve? Did he yeah. come straight out? No, he came through the avenue of the serpent. So so the devil has always used a front man, I like to call it, in order to get his deception through. Not only that, what was his promise to Eve? What, what, what was the temptation? Mm, you will be, be as gods. You'll be just like God. In other words, you could replace, you know that God? You could replace him. You don't need him. You could be as gods. And so this has been uh, on the devil's mind all along. Mm. And we see it from the beginning and through throughout. So that's fascinating. So verse 4, so they worship the dragon, that's the devil, who gave authority to the beast. And they worship the beast saying, who is like the beast Who is able to make war with him? There's a fascinating statement. Here is a power, a political power, a religious power. And most people will be thinking, well, how would you how would you make war with the church? You know, Um, and you can understand why that statement is made. Who is like the beast? This is a unique kind of a power. Who is like the beast and who is able to make war with him? Verse 5, it says, And he was given a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies, and he was given authority to continue for 42 months. We've already, already explained that. That's 1,260 days prophetically, 1,260 years literally. Um, and then he goes on, verse 6, Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. Now, I just want to pause here. He's claiming the prerogatives of God. That's what blasphemy is. Okay, so he's claiming the prerogatives of God. And uh, to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, 
That is, the Bible tells us that Jesus ascended to heaven. He is now in the tabernacle of God, the sanctuary, if you please. And what is he doing there? He's interceding for you and I. When we pray, our prayers are received by Jesus and he pleads his merits of his sacrifice to forgive us our sins. Mm, amen. So when it talks about him blasphemy, blaspheming his tabernacle, he is in a way usurping the position of Jesus. Jesus is the only one who stands between us and the Father. He's the one who connects us to, That's right. to the Father. What this power is claiming to do is to stand in that gap and be a substitute for Jesus, if you please, so that our sins are forgiven by him as opposed to Jesus. Very interesting. All right, we're going to listen to a piece of music. I think we need a break, Danny. Mm. I think we need a break. Heavy stuff. All right, we're going to uh, listen to a song called Bound for the Promised Land. I'm sure you'll enjoy this. Oh, 
flowers fade, seasons change, the grass withers away, but God's word will always remain the same. On the days when you are up, on the days when you are down, God stays the same from round to round. Keeps your solid ground In the sunshine, in the rain In the joy and in the pain God stays the same from day to day He's your hiding place In the sunshine, in the rain In the joy and in the pain God stays the same from Flowers fade, seasons change, the grass withers away, but Jesus will always remain the same. On the days when you are up, on the days when you are down, God stays the same from round to round. He's your solid ground He's your solid ground He's your solid ground Welcome back. You are listening to Faith FM and the afternoon show Looking Up with me, Peter Watts, and my good friend and co-host, Danny Milenkov. Danny, we have a free giveaway today. Uh, Tell us about that. Yes, indeed. And uh, the book is called The Great Controversy. So if you would like to call in, the first person to call in will get that book. It's a fantastic book. It's all on Christian history from the days of Jesus, basically, uh, all the way through to the very end of time of human history. And so the numbers are 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-324-843. Or text us on 0491-064-669. The first person to call in or text gets this wonderful book, The Great Controversy. Everyone on planet Earth should read that, Peter. Indeed. And we did mention that there is uh, another resource that you can find on YouTube, which is Lineage Journey. And uh, you will find there... Uh, that tracks a lot of the Christian history that we've been talking about. Um, and it's in nice five-minute segments, well-produced. I recommend that to you. So check that out, Lineage Journey, Season 1. Start with Episode 1. You'll enjoy that, I'm sure. All right, Danny, we're going to get back to our chapter here, which is Revelation chapter 13. Uh, we read through uh, Revelation 13, verse 6. Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God, talking about this religious political power that uh, the reformers have identified as the papal system. And it says uh, to blaspheme against God, to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle and those who dwell in heaven. And you mentioned that you've seen a link there to another Old Testament passage. Daniel chapter 8. Yes, indeed. And we're going to look at Daniel chapter 8 because there uh, the 
the power, this power that you've spoken of, attacking God's sanctuary and everything associated with sanctuary, Ooh. which is the plan of salvation, is very yeah. prominent there in Daniel chapter 8. Yeah, okay. All right, well, I'm going to continue reading. This is uh, Revelation 13, and we're going from verse 7 through 10. It says, It was granted to him to make war with the saints and overcome them. It's a persecuting power. We'd seen this in Daniel chapter 7. And indeed, sadly, if we look at the history of the papal power, we see a lot of that in the history books. If anybody's ever heard of Fox Book of Martyrs, you can read some of uh, the persecutions that took place there. And there are many uh, other history books that will have some of that. And, and indeed, in just, 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 just a quick note, in the year 2000, Pope John Paul II, for the first time, apologized um, and asked forgiveness on behalf of the, the Roman Catholic Church for all the atrocities, all the persecutions that have taken place mm. during that. As an acknowledgement yeah, exactly. that, so, it, that actually yeah, happened. So that way. And it goes on, an authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. This is a, this is a global power. This is a, uh, a significant power. This is not some little backwater church or some back, backwater kingdom. This is this has you know serious global, extent yeah global global, global extent. Well, it says all the world marvelled. So you're looking at a power that is uh, religious. You're looking at a power that is global, and you're looking at a power that arose out of pagan Rome. And it's not that difficult to identify mm. with those three markers. Verse um, eight. Eight. Thank you. All who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Here between, uh, you've got a second beast coming up we'll talk about next week. Between those two major powers, you've got the lamb. Mm. You've got a third beast, as it were. The lamb the lamb beast, which is the lamb, which is Jesus, which mm. is the lamb of God, uh, slain from the foundation of the world. And we want to be in his, his book of life. He's the one we want to follow. We want to follow Christ and not Antichrist. That's the difference here. And uh, like we say, this power has kind of set itself up and placed itself in the position of Christ. In other words, people are encouraged to pray um, to to this power and worship this power and to actually get their sins forgiven by this power as opposed to going directly to Jesus uh, for forgiveness. And as we pointed out um, in our in our previous um, segment, that the dragon is the one behind this power. So right. I, I really love this verse here, verse 8, because it says very clearly that not everyone will choose to worship the dragon. That's right. In the end, there will be those who choose to worship the Lamb, who is Jesus Christ, and the Lamb will ensure that their names are written in the Lamb's book of life. So the whole world will not follow uh, not everyone. Dragon. Not everyone. Not everyone. The, God has always had a faithful group of people all the way down through history in the days of Noah, in the days of Babylon and Daniel and his friends. A faithful remnant. All the way through there's been a faithful remnant that have not bowed the knee to the devil and instead have been true and faithful and loyal to Jesus Christ. Yeah, I think that's important, Danny, because uh, it's important that in all in the midst of this all of this description is in, in designed to help us to make sure that we are able to identify this power. But at the same time, it's not about um, our focus has to be on Christ and not on Antichrist. In other words, we can focus on all the prophecies, but if we forget Jesus, what, what point is Well, the is book there? of Revelation is all about Jesus. Correct. It's the revelation of Jesus Correct. Christ. And it's warning us, I guess, against the deception that comes from a counterfeit That's right. of Jesus 
and we need the real Jesus. That's right. Um, yeah, so, all right, verse 9 of Revelation 13, it says, if anyone has an ear, let him hear. I think that's just a profound, small statement because there will be people listening to this show, Danny, who may have been hearing these things for the first time. I remember uh, speaking about this topic once and uh, somebody had come to the program and um, they had said, you know, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I think it's true, but I don't think you should say it. <laughs> and I said, well, why not? Well, it might upset people. Well, it might upset people. I think, I think of, uh, if you go to the doctor and you've got a pain in your side and you decide to go to the doctor and the doctor thinks, okay, you've got cancer, should I tell you or not? And um, if I tell you, it might upset you. So maybe I shouldn't tell you you've got cancer. Well, no, he has to tell you mm. in order that you can do something about it. And I think that that's why these warnings are in the Bible. I think this is why these descriptions are in the Bible, because God wants us to know in order that we can do something about it. Um, so if anyone has an ear, mm. let him hear what God is saying here. Verse 10, he who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. He tells us here that he who is led into captivity and who has killed with the sword will be taken into captivity and be killed by the sword. Mm. That is again a reference to the fact that the papal power was going into captivity. It was given a fatal wound with the sword. What is the sword? The Bible tells us that it is the word of God, the, mm. the, the, sword, the Bible is like a symbolic sword, which is the word of God. And uh, the Bible, because of the prevalence of the Bible since the time of the Reformation, it had dealt a deadly blow to uh, this power. Uh, we're going to pick up uh, after the break. We're going to go to some music and then we're going to wrap up here on looking up. So uh, you're going to listen to Let's All Go Down to the River. Um, we hope you enjoy this song.
Well, welcome back. And um, it's almost time for us to wrap up the show, Danny. I can't believe how quickly the time has gone this afternoon. Um, if you want to call in for the um, free offer of the book, The Great Controversy, you can uh, phone in on 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-324-843. Or you can text on 0491 Danny, we've been looking at the book of Revelation. We've been in the deep end today. We've been looking at one of the uh, interesting prophecies in the center of the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 13, describing this religio-political power whom the reformers and we have identified as the Roman papal power. We're not talking about the people. We're talking about the system of governance, the system of teaching, its belief system, which is in many ways... Uh, very different to that of the Bible. Um, tell us why Why is this important? Why, why do we need to know these things? Well, in the, in the times that we're living in, we're living in this time of COVID. Uh, we live in a time, and we shared right at the beginning of the program, that our world is more unsettled now. It's changing. It's changing, and it's more unsettled now than it has been at any other time. Um, since World War II. And why this is so important is because the Bible has told us all the way from the very beginning that Satan has been planning his final assault, his final attack on God and his people seeking to receive worship, worldwide worship, which belongs to God alone. And so the book of Revelation simply pulls back the curtain and enables us to see this, this war over worship that is being waged between Christ and Satan. And we are in the middle. Uh, the entire planet is in the middle. And at the end of time, the Bible is very clear. Each person will need to make a decision who they will worship, whether they will worship Jesus Christ, be loyal to him and show him love or choose the enemy. And so that choice that was before Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, where they had two trees, yeah. And they could choose, choose by, by which tree they... could they, choose life or something else. Or death. Exactly right. And so, and so we will have that at the end of time. And so it's a final worship showdown. And this is extremely important that we know what that final issue of worship is over in order that we may make an intelligent choice and be loyal to Jesus Christ. As to follow says, Christ rather than As Antichrist. it says at the end of uh, verse 10 that we read, here is the patience of and the faith of the saints, and those words also uh, those words also apply to God's end time people in Revelation fourteen twelve, where it says, "Here are those that keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus." They're referred to as patient saints. So this is as important as it gets. There isn't anything more important than the issue of worship and allegiance, faithfulness, and love towards God. Yeah, that's right. I was just thinking, Danny, at the end of uh, Revelation chapter 12, verse 17, it says the dragon, that's the devil, was enraged with the woman and went to make war with the rest of her Mm. offspring. So here's the devil. He's enraged with the woman, which represents God's people, the church, and he goes to make war with them. And then we see in the very next chapter how he's going to make war with them. We find this first beast power, and then next week we're going to look at this second beast power, um, and we're going to unpack that. And so we're going to look at the ways in which the devil is using political powers, religious powers, to try to manipulate the world and its people to follow the devil as opposed to following the Lord. Um, okay, so 
Yeah, I think that we're going to see next week, we're going to be looking at um, the second beast power in this chapter of Revelation 13. So in Revelation 13, we have two powers, right? The first beast, which is a political power, a nation, which we've identified as Papal Rome. Then we've got a second beast coming up, and we're going to identify that. And uh, we're going to bring that right up to date. In fact, I'm going to let the cat out of the bag. Oh. And I'm going to say that second beast power is the beast we, the power we know as the United States of America. That's the nation we know today as the United States. And people say, what? How can the United States be in the Bible? Well, tune in for next week, and we will... Uh, unpack that chapter because uh, I think it's very important that people understand what role the United States plays in end-time Bible prophecy. We've said before, if God really knows the future, he would know the role that the papal power would play in history. If God really knows the future, if he knows the end time, he'll know what powers are there prevalent and what role they play. We're out of time today, Danny. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you, listeners, for being with us too. We're uh, going to wrap up, and we've enjoyed having your company this afternoon. We just want to encourage you that until next time, please continue to keep looking up. We'll see you next time. Blessings. Blessings.